0: My parents once had a night out. This was a rare event in itself, but what was even more noteworthy was their choice of entertainment, the Peter Moselle Review. Peter Moselle was a female impersonator who had built a career on impersonating famous singers. My parents returned with rave reviews, marvelling at how authentic he'd looked and sounded. Gosh, it made you forget for a moment that he was, in fact, a man. In the final act, he'd slowly peeled away his glamorous facade, and by the time the final curtain came down, the more mundane male reality was restored. As a trans teenager, desperately searching for any evidence that my deepest convictions were real, female impersonals left me feeling more confused than anything else. Was I, in fact, deluded in imagining I was a girl? Was it some kind of mental illness that might be cured? Did I, after all, just like wearing women's clothes? So a television interview with two performers from the lay girls' cabaret was a revelation. These weren't men dressed in women's clothes. They were real women who had been born boys just like me. Indeed, almost the entire cast was transsexual. So that's what I was. It was incredibly enlightening, yet ultimately depressing. Most of the women had endured so much torment, ostracism and abuse, both physical and emotional, in order to just be themselves. They had invariably lost families, friends, careers, marriages and livelihoods. Many had become prostitutes to fund their surgeries, or simply because that was one of the few career options available to them. Their lives were built on courage and sacrifice. Watching them with feigned half-heartedness, my heart sank. I can never follow their example. I simply wasn't brave enough. Also, they were all stunningly beautiful, elegant, and ineffably glamorous, while I was becoming increasingly gawky and masculine with each passing year. Although I now knew transition was possible, my puberty-ravaged face made it seem like a mountain too high to climb. I realised how superficial that might sound. Not all women look like models. But it seemed clear that the lay from lay girls' stories that already looking like women, attractive women even, had made their transition infinitely easier. That passing made their lives easier. I wasn't a deluded enough to imagine I could ever pass as a woman.
1: Welcome to the Good Reading Magazine podcast. Good Reading is a monthly magazine dedicated to books and reading and aims to help readers discover their next favourite book. You can find out more about the books discussed on today's podcast at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. Hello and welcome back to the Good Reading Podcast. I'm Heather Lewis and today we're joined by children's author Kyle Newburn talking about her first book for adults, Faking It. My Life in Transition, a memoir about Kyle's experiences growing up as a closeted trans woman and her journey to becoming her own person. Kyle, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, nice to be here. What inspired you to write a memoir about your life and the process of your transition?
0: Uh, originally, I being a writer is something that's always in the back of my mind that I was going to write my story one day, and I assumed it would be almost you know on my deathbed when I was when I was you know after winning the Nobel Prize and you know moving on to that they mm-hmm. might say yeah write your memoir but actually um, Claire Murdoch from Penguin Ran- Penguin Random House New Zealand actually approached me and asked me if I would be interested and I was, was wasn't sure whether it was timely enough, but then when you see what's happening in the world, you think, well, any contribution I could make would um, be positive. Yeah, I suspect it. I mean, I feel like I can make a positive contribution insofar as I'm strong enough to you know, t- take the slings and arrows of, of abuse and whatever comes hurling um, your way when you're trans, um, but also that I'm, I don't take myself seriously and I'm through the other side of this lifelong process of mm. getting to know myself and becoming myself. So, I feel like um, I don't take it seriously anymore. So, I am just who I am and um, I try to be funny. I like being funny. I'm, <laughs> I can't help myself. I was a smartass at school, apparently. So.
1: <laughs> and in terms of writing Faking It, it's your first novel for adults as well as your first non-fiction novel. How challenging and different was the process of writing it?
0: In, in a way, non-fiction is, I mean, my, writing your life story, is, you know it. You know it quite well. (laughs) There's no research. I hate research. So if there was any research involved, I would have run a mile. But knowing your own story, the hardest part for me was actually trying to figure out the reality because you have these images and you have these memories, but how real they are is another question. And also, because my family is not a storytelling family, so we never have anyone sort of, oh, remember the time when... Whereas my wife Marianne, and she's her family were always, she's got this whole anthology of stories from her childhood and from mm. her brother's childhood. Whereas my family is a blank slate. Um, we never talked about anything that happened. It was like yesterday was gone. Move on. And uh, the only other, and the other complicated, um, challenging part was was to try to put yourself back in there and because it wasn't just about describing the event but actually how i was feeling and mm. emotionally and psychologically and that was you know it's hard to do in terms of memory remembering, remembering back to an incident you can describe the incident but how you were actually feeling whether it's true or not you know that's um, the nature of memoir is it's it's my truth and the more I, and as you write it becomes your truth once you see it mm. written down you think that sounds valid that sounds real that sounds authentic okay, this becomes my story yeah. and my reality. My family might think differently. <laughs> you know, people in all these memoirs, you hear from the other side of the family saying, that's not true, that never happened, or it wasn't that bad. And you think, well, for me, that's how I was feeling. Mm-hmm. So
1: Many trans people don't wish to dwell on their life pre-transition, but your memoir covers a lot of your early life and even childhood. How did it feel coming back to those uncomfortable and uncertain times of your life?
0: <laughs> it's, it's, I knew what, what I was getting into. And, mm. and I think that's probably the, you know, I've seen a lot of people commenting on Facebook and, mm-hmm. you know, all these TERFs and tran, anti trans people who say things which are, you know, they, they, there was a study of, you know, sissy boys. In it officially says sissy boys on the on the research, and it right. says that the number of people who came out is very minimal. So obviously, this transition thing at pu- puberty was, you know, massively overinflated because all these research. you think, well, and I was having a discussion saying, you know, I wasn't a sissy boy. I was doing everything to be the alternative. I was fighting. Yeah. I was getting into trouble because I was desperately not trying to stand out. And so that's sort of by putting that down, I thought that that's my way of showing you know i was trying so hard to fit in i was every for all intents and purposes everyone thought i was a guy and and yet
1: here i am <laughs> and that's where the title of the book faking it comes from about how you felt like you were faking your assigned birth at gender i was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about how that felt to be to be faking yourself like that
0: yeah, that's the interesting part. I mean, I'm not. I mean, so I can only speak from my own experiences. Mm. But I felt disconnected, so I was always, you know, I was observing the boys and studying them. How were they acting? And I was, I was mirroring that and trying to, and then even accentuating it mm. because, you know, if that's what they did, then I should do more. I should, ha- I have to try harder. But then you, I, cr- I got this distance from myself. You sort of create this shell and inside sort of almost withers and dies even though that sounds a bit melodramatic and it is Mm. a bit, it's not really that bad and you struggle through and you, you, but this disconnect between perceived reality and I was living, the life I was living and the internal reality which is saying this is actually not me, this is this other guy he's doing great stuff. He's having a good life. It's, you know, he should be happy. <laughs> What's wrong? Mm. But inside is that thing, well, but, but, that's not me. That's not me.
1: Gender dysphoria is a very difficult concept for trans people to describe and often very difficult for cis people to understand. Both pre and post transition, what does gender dysphoria mean to you?
0: It is that disconnect. It's that sort of <laughs> sense of you're seeing yourself. You look in the mirror and think, okay, here I am playing this role again, another day playing mm. this role. And for me, it was always about looking at myself and thinking, well, you don't look like – you should look. This is some – you know, I could have been a mutant. <laughs> I didn't, yeah. It's impossible to sense what – what you know, just not me. It's looking in the mirror and seeing some stranger who's, you know is you, but it's not – so for me it was always centered on my face and how I how I looked at myself. Yeah.
1: yeah. With my next question, you didn't come out as a trans woman until well into your adulthood and your career as a trans as a children's writer and a trans writer, I guess. You say in the books that you don't regret not transitioning sooner. Why is that?
0: It's a it's a complicated question, isn't it, really? Mm. Um you you think it could be an easy answer. And, and of course, on the one hand, I would have loved to have avoided being different you know mm. I mean everyone wants to fit in I I think and it would have been lovely to have not had that inside me gnawing away it would have been good if I could have been just some guy and gone on and done what I did
1: yeah
0: um, whether or not I would have done what I've done <laughs> is another question because I feel like my early study of boys and girls has actually paid off in terms of writing for children because you mm. have Understanding of both sides. Um, I was studying girls as much as boys, and looking across and seeing what they're doing. So interaction-wise, I think um, it's come come in handy. But um based on the one hand, it's would have been lovely to have done it earlier, before I puberty hit. But in those days, for one, it wasn't wasn't a possibility at all, mm. and I certainly wasn't uh, brave enough. Or it you know I took a whole lifetime to gather enough courage to come out. But on the other hand, I've got all this stuff you know i've got my wife who we've been married for 34 years together for 35 and you think we might have been friends but we wouldn't have had this life together hmm. if and so that's sort of in itself is what would my life have been without that and is there anything I would have achieved coming out earlier that would would make up for that loss
1: and you use that word brave and brave is a is a thing often as for trans people as they're very brave for coming out or very brave for transitioning. And you mentioned in the book as well, that that praise is somewhat misdirected. What do you mean by that?
0: It totally, um, yeah, I feel like for one, it's, it's almost a desperation. It's if you're swimming and get attacked by a shark, then you're not brave. If you fight the shark off, mm-hmm. you're just surviving. It's all about surviving. It's not no element of bravery at all involved. Mm-hmm. Whereas all the people who come are willing to swim out to help you. They're brave, people who came before you and, you know, fought off the sharks early on. Mm. They're the ones who are brave. You know, I'm just I feel almost cowardly that I took so long <laughs> I waited till all these other people have done the done the hard work. Yeah. And it's still, it's still, I mean, it is an element of, you know, it is hard still. I mean, it's not like, you know, we're not fated mm-hmm. and walking down the street and everyone goes, "Hey, cool, a trans person.
1: I wish. Yeah. <laughs> it's very common for trans people to get rid of their dead names or their birth names in favor of a name they feel fits them better yet you've stuck with kyle why was that
0: i had a lot of thinking about it but in reality um i feel like you know cameron Diaz can do it i can do it <laughs> yeah
1: that's a good reason
0: <laughs> i know i thought and the name's not it's not like it's you know it's not totally masculine it's not it is quite neutral in a way and people said you know even now one of um, Marian's friends has said, they when they say he accidentally, um, still, consistently, mm. <laughs> which is I think well, and then they say well it would have been it'd be a lot easier if he would change his name or she changed her name, and Marian says but why it's like you know and then they say well you know why not it's just the name, and then you think but if it's just the name. Why can't you accept that it's just a name? And yeah. this is my name. And how? So it's very complicated. Um, things going on in people's heads mm-hmm. <laughs> to try to rationalise their their lack of um, consistency with their pronouns.
1: Well, I guess do you have any advice for listeners who may be struggling with somebody in their life negotiating a change of name or a change of pronouns?
0: I think it's it is difficult, and for everyone around, it's hard enough just transition part. You know, trying to get people to say he or she, let alone changing a name. If you've had, you know, if you've had a name, the longer that you've had it, then it's harder as well. There's no, there's. I just think you have to be, you know, people. You look at yourself and think, well, who are you? And I looked at myself and thought, well, I've created Kyle, <laughs> and I feel like I still am, and mm-hmm. I feel like, I think almost it's that 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 point of how. know i've read and watched on youtube a lot of you know people and trans people who've who've by by necessity drifted far away from their inner reality like they've become really really super butch masculine just to desperately avoid you know coming um being seen in any way feminine and so the disconnect between that i think is a wider gap so and, but in in reality, you know, they're this really ultra feminine mm. person, and so I think the connect is that who you are inside. And I feel like I'm, I've pushed towards the middle in the last twenty years. I've I've come to a, I was getting towards my feminine side, <laughs> without actually crossing that boundary. I was mm. still being. You know, I was, I was drinking rosé and my friends, men friends would come and say, oh, you're showing your feminine side and think it's wine, people. Seriously, (laughs) it's not a girl wine. You know, there is no, and so, yeah, I think it's just a question of who are you? And you look at yourself and think, yep, that's, that's me.
1: How has your experience as an author and someone within the book industry, how has that been since coming out?
0: I, the book industry, publishing in general, you know, they're all very ninety nine point nine percent liberal, open minded mm-hmm. people. So it's one of the best. You know, I, I'd, I'd really recommend becoming a writer if you <laughs> if you're thinking about coming out at some point, <laughs> because it's really positive. They're all lovely people. So it's been been very easy. And, and as a career, you know. And especially children's writers um as a children's writer that ch- my readership don't know who i am or don't care who i am there's no awareness yeah. that i am what i am i had a, a mother email me the other day and said um her son they went on the website and uh, he was very disappointed to find out i was a woman because <laughs> i've written because i've written my dinosaur rescue books for mm. six to eight-year-old boys mostly And she said, they had a discussion and then in the end he came around and said, okay, it doesn't really matter. I love the book, so no big deal.
1: Trans voices are very hard to come by in the mainstream books world, especially in Australia and New Zealand. But with books like yours, do you think the situation is improving?
0: I think it has to, and it is slowly. Mm. But it's that sort of, you don't want to get into this token stuff because, you know... A bad book is a bad book, and mm. we don't want to have, you know, if you're a writer and happen to be trans, then right away. Mm. But this idea of sort of that, you know, just having a book with a trans character in it is somehow great, and I always think, well, having a bad book with a trans character or a or, or badly written trans character or mm. is, is not going to help us anywhere.
1: Yeah, well that actually brings me to my last question was which was do you think you might one day write a story for children who may be struggling with dysphoria or navigating their assigned birth gender?
0: Um I have written a picture book which um wasn't it hasn't been accepted yet. It's it's a metaphor and and a lot of the, I feel like at the moment it's almost people want preachy stories almost mm. no, it's all all good we're all good and we're all we're all rainbows and we're all <laughs> happy and it's all yeah. inside it doesn't matter and you think well it's not that simple i wanted to write something a bit more a bit more edgy and about the reality of the disconnect mm. between your reality and and what the world's seeing and so far i haven't found a market for it, a publisher for it but we keep trying
1: yeah well kyle thank you so much for joining us today Thank you very much for having me. Nice to chat.